Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. You will find additional information and links that are mentioned in this episode in the episode description on the website bitcoincopodcast.com or in your podcast player. I would like to hear from you, so you either leave a comment or you will also find a link to send me a voice message. For weekly updates, subscribe to my newsletter at anitaposch.com slash newsletter. Before we start, a short message from my sponsors. You're looking for a solution to store Bitcoin the safe and easy way? The Card Wallet is a high-secure way for storing Bitcoin offline, developed by Coinfinity and the Austrian State Printing House. The Card Wallet is a professional cold storage solution made with high-quality security materials and tamper-proof features that prevent the manipulation of the card. If you want to know more or buy the Card Wallet, go to www.cardwallet.com. Com. Hello friends of the Bitcoin and Co. podcast. Today I'll bring you a guest who's working on a lot of projects at the moment. And I have to say I'm only hearing good things about these projects. So I'm very happy to present Max Kedon, the CEO of Hodl Hodl. Hi Max. Hi Anita, thank you for having me here. Thanks for your time. Max, before we talk about your company and your Bitcoin projects, please tell our listeners a bit about you. What was your education? What did you do before? Uh, my education, actually, funny thing, I'm a journalist by education, by, <laughs> by, by my original. So I have a bachelor degree in communications. Um, and I have uh, MBA, uh, which is like general MBA, Master of Business Administration. So I have two degrees. Um, never thought, actually, that I will... Um, I will do something in finance. Never thought that I will do something in finance in internet and never thought that I will do something in, in Bitcoin at all. Uh, so I started my career as a journalist, but uh, quite quite quickly as I switched uh, to the economics, uh, financials and, and et cetera, et cetera. And before actually joining the, um, the crypto movement, to say that like that, I, I had a 10-year career in the financial sector. So I was uh, working in legacy finance system. I was working in banks and asset management companies, wealth management companies, et cetera, et cetera. Was that where you you're born in Riga or where do you come from? Uh, I was born in Latvia, but actually I was born in USSR. By that time ah, it was <laughs> USSR, but, but um, yeah, I, I was born in... Uh, Geographically speaking, I was born in Latvia. Um, and, um, yeah, the, these banks are uh, where these, or these financial institutes, they were like global. Uh, but uh, some of them were based in Latvia. Some of them were based in Finland. Um, but yeah, most of the time I spent there. 
And how did you get into Bitcoin? When did you hear about it the first time? Can you uh, remember that? First time, yeah, I remember that. Uh, because the person from whom I, I heard that actually impacted my career quite a lot. Because uh, when, I, when I left the bank, I left the bank f to join his startup. So I... Um, <clears throat> I heard about Bitcoin first time, I think in 2012 or 2013, when I had a meeting with my client. And at that point, he was already investing in Bitcoin and he actually were like developing project in, uh, within the Bitcoin community. And uh, he bought some software companies as well. And he was like quite fascinated about uh, the, the, the tech behind the Bitcoin. He was like, say, I remember we were sitting in, in, in a meeting room and he was like showing to me his uh, wallet balance on his mobile phone and saying that like in 10 years from now, I, I won't need you to transact my money to, to move funds from one direction to another. I will just have my wallet on my mobile phone and uh, we'll like send money to anyone anywhere in the world in like minutes uh, without paying any high fees and without going through like KYCML burden and all that stuff. I, I thought he was crazy uh, <laughs> the first time, but I started to actually like educate myself about this. And in 2015, I um, quit my job in banks and joined his 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 new venture uh, within the Bitcoin space. Um, won't be able to say what was the company because due to some legal uh, agreements that was signed. But um, yeah, it was a good move because uh, I think in 2016. Uh, the banking industry in most parts of Eastern Europe started to collapse and it started to change dramatically with all the new KYCML measures and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think I, I made a good move at that point. Were those KYCML regulations from from worldwide uh, regulations or especially in eastern europe and uh, they were actually more from worldwide because eastern europe at some point it was like um similar to switzerland in terms of like banking secrets and and all that stuff so you, you if you were like for example russian or ukrainian or like from like post-soviet uh, union country you could be like onboarded easily in any local bank they would like um, they would do anything to have you as a client because they understood that uh, most of the people from from those countries are quite rich and it was quite easy to 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 be onboarded and in a local bank uh, so basically you would have a european banking account an account in the european bank And then you could easily move to Switzerland, for example, uh, move part of your funds. Uh, and um, so, yeah, at, at that point, like, it was a um, very good option for, like, uh, non-European customers to enter the European banking scene or European banking market. Uh, but then in 2015, 16, everything started to change. And uh, many, many Eastern European banks refused to serve non-residents. 
So basically by that, the, the huge chunk of the industry were killed. And why did you leave the project where you were working on? Well, actually, at some point, uh, I was invited to join another project where I had uh, like uh, way more opportunities to to like manage stuff and to express myself. And I had like uh, basically unlimited amount of things that I could do and a bigger amount of trust to say like that. And at some point I understood that I'm ready to like, I'm ready for a new, uh, new venture. I'm ready to, for a new adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and that's why I actually left and I'm quite happy that I, I did that. So you're, you're an entrepreneur now? Yes. Uh, so as you, as you mentioned in the beginning, I'm a CEO of Holo Holo. And we also have a lot of different other projects. And uh, like the, the Hodel Hodel family or Hodel Hodel Empire actually growing. <laughs> and uh, we have like different stuff happening at the moment and, and huge plans. Um, the, the, the big vision and then and quite, quite, uh, quite interesting roadmap to follow. Mm -hmm. We'll come to that later. What are the basic features or, let's say, functionalities, characteristics of Bitcoin in general that interest you? Uh, for me, it's, um, well, first of all, um, I was serving for 10, 10 years as a middleman. And I think number one is that there's no middleman. There's literally nobody can, who can tell you what to do with your money. Um, the second thing I think is that uh, it's quite hard to confiscate BTC. Uh, it's especially important in uh, countries with authoritarian regimes or, or not so stable regimes, like where you don't have this, um, institutes of, 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 uh, private ownerships and etc. And the third thing I think is, uh, well, it, that Bitcoin is decentralized. Well, to some extent, not like fully decentralized. At least it's, it's becoming more and more decentralized. Um, and by meaning decentralized, I'm not meaning the code or the protocol or etc. I usually get fascinated about that in the same moment and the same time, there's like thousands of people working to make Bitcoin better in the world simultaneously. And there's no head leader or leader who's, who says what to do and what, where basically everyone is independent in, the, in that community. Some people are building, um, retail products. Some people are building exchanges. Somebody is doing the wallet, uh, things. Somebody is like coding and then, you know, like core, want, want to become like core developers. Some people are just like to educate other people about the Bitcoin. So I don't treat Bitcoin as a, like, it is of course like unique tech. And of course it's a unique, uh, thing. Like I, I think you can compare it to the internet itself, but I'm more fascinated f uh, about Bitcoin in terms of social, uh, economical and political impact of, of, uh, of this tech in general. 
Which things do you mean by that? I mean, which social impacts? Or well, basically, political? you can you can see like uh, you can take an example of Venezuela. People are using Bitcoin to survive. I'm I'm just like you know I'm constantly saying this in my interviews that the, here here you see a use case of Bitcoin you know because if you will uh, have the fiat in Venezuela with their like inflation rate most probably it's worth nothing and there's a huge amount of population in Venezuela that literally surviving due to 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 the Bitcoin seventy uh, percent of the world population is actually unbanked. And that's the use case of Bitcoin. Easy to use, not so easy to understand. And we're still like, we still need to go a long way. And as we discussed today during, during our like private discussion that uh, I think that uh, Bitcoin community is too focused on the tech and all the developments that we're doing. We need to be more focused for, uh, on educating masses. And uh, I think that that's a part of mass adoption when people will understand that the, the, I think people will understand the practical use cases of Bitcoin, how you can use it in a practical way. You basically, you need to know the basics, how it works as for, for the average user. You don't need to be like involved in like this technical stuff and all that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but actually it's not that complicated. I mean, You need a wallet. You write down a seat. Yeah, I think the problem is um, it not, it's not a question of Bitcoin being complicated. I think it's a question of people who who surrounds the, the Bitcoin are a bit complicated. We're too we're too focused again, as I mentioned, on the tech. And sometimes, if you know too much about the tech, it's not easy for you to explain in a simple words to a person. Uh, who's not like a technical, technical guy, the, all the beauty of, of BTC. Yeah. But if we think about people in Venezuela, Argentina, or uh, somewhere in Africa, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. They actually, <laughs> how do we get that there? You know, because yeah, they would get, need it. I think we get that there, but because there's was like an unfortunate thing called like huge deflation and the risk of losing your life literally because you can starve to the death it wasn't like the people suddenly started to like embrace bitcoin as a tech it was like most necessity and and like you want to survive you need to learn you need to you want to survive you need to adapt If we speak about more sophisticated communities or, 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 or countries with less problems that have Venezuela or less problems that have any country in Latin America or in Africa, then people are just too lazy to, to learn something new. They're happy with, uh, with like, with the existing system. Although we do understand that the existing system is broken. And I had a conversation with one uh, very smart guy uh, who is came uh, from traditional financial. He has a traditional financial background. He came from traditional like banking industry. And he told like the banking industry wasn't, uh, they didn't create any new for like 500 years already. So it's nothing new there. You're living in 21st century. You are living in a digital age. So for digital age, you need digital money. 
that's what we need to do. We need to educate people in like uh, countries with no deflation or or that don't have that that problems like Germany or or like Western countries to use Bitcoin. And I think that mass adoption is not only uh, about mass adoption. Bitcoin is not only when emerging markets embracing. Bitcoin. So, so what would you say to a German, for instance? <laughs> Why should he or she use Bitcoin? That's that's a tricky question, actually. A good one, but a tricky, you know, because um, well, in uh, like in Eastern Europe, we have a quite clearly use case because, like, as as I say, I'm like thirty around years old, and due to do do my like uh, life course. I saw that government actually four or five times change, changed the currency. Each time they changed, they actually literally deleted all your savings. Uh, like most of the times, not the last one, but most of the times they literally deleted all, all, all your previous savings in other fiat currency. So we see that use case. In Germany, I think... Well, uh, I think that in Germany it could be actually as uh, served as a store of value, like an investment tool, uh, because uh, I think that the, the like more sophisticated communities they do understand the economical things and do understand they have an investment culture, and uh, for for Germans or for like uh, British people or for French people it could actually. Uh, first, they could embrace Bitcoin as an investment vehicle, and then maybe at some point they will understand also the value of not having any person above you to say what you should do, to whom you can transfer this money and to whom you cannot. Yeah, or how long it takes to do a bank transfer from here to the US yeah. or something like yeah. that. Or or how much you will pay, because you know I, I know that in Germany people are actually counting their money, so it's it's quite important you know yeah i think another use case at least for me here in this uh in austria is the privacy features i hope that bitcoin will get or has already um like in contrast to something like facebook coin so i see this is a use case for me because i don't want to, that the government or facebook knows what I'm buying, where, what I'm drinking with somebody and such things. Yeah, it's, um, you don't want to do that and me neither, but like most of the people, like let's say 90% and even more, they're, they're like happy just like living like that and, and giving this information to anyone. Yeah, but when I look at China and the mass surveillance there and their credit points, I mean, that might be next here. Yeah, but people actually think, well, it's in China, you know, it never, it will never happen to us, you know, uh, the same way everyone thinks about something happening just, just somewhere in, in, in some other country or with, with other people, you know, you always think that this won't happen with you. Mm. We had 10 years of Bitcoin yeah. and you had like five years of Bitcoin now. Or six? Five, six, Five, something so, like. so what I mean is you're actually a long-time Bitcoiner. Um, yeah, but I actually started like uh, like working on Bitcoin seriously in 2015. So it's like four years. Yeah, something yeah, like okay. that. Do you think there are any dangers that uh, might be a reason for Bitcoin to like vanish again? 
um well there's always a danger with any uh anything actually in the world anything can vanish at some point so um i don't like when people guarantee something like you know when they people who sell investments they say we'll have a guarantee like return on your investment etc etc i don't believe in that uh but you know as i mentioned due to the fact that uh, a lot of people working uh in different countries speaking different language with, with different backgrounds doing the different stuff on bitcoin and um i think that there's from each day there's harder and harder to 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 break this system um and i think that uh, i think we have a we have a quite bright future uh for bitcoin uh but there's always a risks but i'm more concerned not about the, the external uh attacks like government will try to shut down something there will always be a governments that don't like something and there will be governments that will embrace something you know like uh there will be like japan who where you can pay with bitcoin and they embrace bitcoin they say use it pay it uh, do whatever you want uh or there will be there will be like maltese government who says like we we are happy to invite uh companies that involved in that crypto crypto scene to come to Malta to have a license etc cetera, etc cetera. but there will always be a governments uh like i don't know less rumors like some asian governments or or some uh african governments that say the bitcoin is prohibited or like for example indian government who says like you will receive 10 years uh, sentence if you will just own bitcoin so uh, it's always like you know there there are but the the tricky question is that uh you need to understand which governments are uh actually embracing bitcoin and which governments are actually banning so you see japan is like in top 3 economies in the world embracing uh bitcoin i i think you need to take an example from these more successful successful governments i'm not saying they're bad or they're good um but uh, in in econo- in economical uh like uh in economical or in economics they're definitely more successful than other governments so you need to uh watch them and you need to take example from them there's always a lot of criticism against bitcoin in the media and also i hear a lot of criticism from just the usual people How do you stay so positive about it and and how do you uh manage to be positive in the way to you found projects you work and you believe I think in the future uh, well, of Bitcoin I think two things first thing is that um uh for 10 years I've I've been in another system and I know how the system works from from within and uh, n- not only it's slow old and etc etc but it's also you can just see from the newspaper headlines that the biggest uh, money launderers in the world are the banks they get fines each year like billions and and, and millions so it's uh, it's actually i think the general public are so offensive uh f- 
in terms of Bitcoin because they do, don't understand. It's our quest or it's our mission to educate them about this. Um, and more like people who are more business-wise, they, they do understand and they see the value proposition of Bitcoin. And the second thing I think is that I see um, the youngest generation, the people who are like 20 years old or like 18 years old, uh, these people don't go to banks. They don't understand why they need to handle their personal information to someone else, like to some kind of third party. And I think these people will grow up at some point. They will have money at some point and they will use the tool that they understand better. And uh, Bitcoin is actually made to understand it better than the traditional system. So I think that like, yeah, the new generation most probably will embrace crypto. I don't know whether it will be Bitcoin. I hope it will be Bitcoin, yes. But maybe like in one year, a new Satoshi Nakamoto will came and create something else. And in five years, we will speak about this. Who knows? Mm. Um, and um, yeah, and and that the, the old system that is actually literally broken. Mm-hmm. So you're the CEO of an exchange, a peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange, which is allowing users to buy, sell, and receive Bitcoin directly without a custodian. Yeah, yeah. a non-custodial peer-to-peer exchange. How does this work? Uh, for each contract, we just create a multi-sig uh, address on the public Bitcoin blockchain. So you're trading through these uh, addresses. So basically through the escrow accounts that we create on the public Bitcoin blockchain. So basically when I want to buy Bitcoin from your, yeah, over your website, over your exchange, yeah. I go there. I do I have to register or what do you have to do? You just need to input your email and password. That's it. Uh-huh. And um, then you either publish an offer that like I'm, I'm willing to buy with, I don't know, with bank wire. Um, you publish an offer and you wait until someone will accept that offer or you find an offer from already published offer list and you see that someone is like selling uh, BTC for a price that you are fine with for euro using the, the bank and then you engage in contract when you start the contract HODL HODL generates this unique escrow account on the public Bitcoin blockchain This account has three keys. One goes to the buyer, one goes to the seller, and one goes to HODL HODL. The seller sends uh, crypto Bitcoin from his wallet to this escrow account. As soon as the escrow account is uh, receiving the BTC, we inform each uh, of the counterparties that BTC is locked in that account. The buyer sends fiat. And as soon as you receive the fiat, you just uh, enter your key and uh, another party enters his key and you release the coins in his wallet. So basically, it's two out of three multi-signature. So you you need at least two keys to release uh, BTC from that account. So in that case, HODL HODL only holds one key out of three. It's technically impossible for us to move these coins somewhere. We don't hold them in our wallets because as I mentioned, we just create a, we just, we just provide the technical tools for a trade. So actually, because of that, we're called non-custodial exchange. 
the system is uh, has its own flaws, but also has his own its own like um, pluses. And what happens when there's a conflict? So when those two parties can't uh, If there's a dispute, then uh, we engage in the dispute resolution. We have our own procedures how to solve the dispute. And uh, uh, when we understand who's who's the winner in that dispute, we just uh, enter our key and together with seller or buyer, we release the coins in favor of the winner. Okay. And have you seen any changes in user adoption, like getting more users on your platform in the last months or years? Or is yeah, it lowering? We, uh, we, we actually getting more users. I think that mostly due to that, our brand finally beca- become like quite well recognized. And people usually for peer to peer markets, the same way it was with local bitcoins are, I heard their story that like for the first year they didn't have any proper traction and then after the year one they started to add users on a proper base. So the same actually happened with us because we launched Hodl Hodl on 23rd February of 2018. So it's quite quite young, young, quite young, yeah. In March this year we started to see some kind of traction that we started to grow. We also uh, introduced some new features like lightning, uh, lightning power trades, which also helped us. We also see that other, other exchanges are peer to peer exchanges are implying the KYC ML. And due to that fact, of course, some, some people are, are moving to Hodo Hodo as well. Mm. I've seen that on local bitcoins, you cannot exchange in person anymore. I think it's yeah. not, not working with yeah. cash anymore. Yeah. You you still allow that? Yeah, we do allow that. Not only we allow that, actually. Yeah. For example, Pax will allow that. Uh, they are similar to local bitcoins. You, you trade within their wallet, so they hold your funds. So I don't know what's the reasoning behind uh, this ban. Maybe because like uh, local bitcoins are registered in Finland. So maybe due to that Finnish government, I don't know, told them to do something, something. But I don't know. So what's the reasoning behind that? Or maybe they understood that it's not part of their like core business and they, they are not making any money with this, just just like, you know, mm-hmm. headache with that and, and that's it. I don't know. And what are you going to do when new rules are coming up? Like new rules by the Financial Action Task Force on money laundering will force cryptocurrency business in roughly 200 countries to verify the identities of anyone sending or receiving more than 1,000 US dollars worth of digital assets, effectively nullifying their pseudonymity. Yes. First of all, again, we don't process any funds. We don't hold them. We don't take funds from user A and give it to user B. So for example, Security Exchange Commission, like one month ago, they published their like rules or set of rules. Well, they specifically mentioned that non-custodial uh, wallet providers, they're exempt from regulation and licensing. So uh, we don't see how this affects us. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, peer-to-peer markets are usually popular and used by people who are buying the smaller fractions of of btc like if we're speaking about one thousand dollars as a barrier entry then most of the trades are actually lower than one thousand especially with the lightning trades that we have offered now 
we see that lightning trades are usually quite small and actually that's why lightning is, is good for that. So people are buying like $10 worth of BTC, paying literally nothing. So we will see, of course. So, but then you said just something. That, does that mean that I don't need Bitcoin to be able to buy into lightning? Yeah, you can come to HODL HODL. You can publish an offer that I want to buy like via Lightning to my Lightning wallet and that's it. And you do that. But do I have to open my channel then no, first? No. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that this works. <laughs> no, you don't need to open the channel because we already like all trading happening through our like node and through our wallet. Ah. So for Lightning, we're so, for Lightning that we introduce, we are custodial to some way because we hold these funds in, in that Lightning wallet for time of of this contract so basically you for example the seller sends uh lightning from lightning btc from his lightning wallet to the escrow that we generated we hold those funds in in that wallet and when uh, he receives the fiat we release in favor of of uh the buyer that's interesting because up until now I thought, and that's also an argument that comes up against Lightning, that you have to have Bitcoin before you can buy no. Lightning. No. How do you say it actually? Is it Lightning Bitcoin then, or what's no, the no, name? No, no, no. We, I, I'm just, I'm saying that now. Yeah, yeah. But we, we, we say it's Bitcoin. It's basically it's, we name it like Lightning Power at Bitcoin trades. Okay. You know, and I think it's it's a correct way to do that. I'm saying, you know, distinguishing lightning Bitcoin from Bitcoin uh, due to the reason that it's easier to explain for your podcast listeners. But I'm not but it, like, I'm not saying that But lightning, it has no name, actually. Yeah, it's just just Bitcoin. There's Bitcoin, <laughs> Bitcoin on-chain yeah. Bitcoin and there's Bitcoin on lightning network. Yeah, and That's I guess in, in the future that won't make a difference because you don't see it anymore. You yeah. won't know. If it's you're... it's it's a bit confusing at the moment, and I know that uh, some in some parts of our community, people still like they 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 get like disputes with with each other. You know, yeah. they they're speaking like you need to say that this is it's lightning Bitcoin. I think it's Bitcoin, and that's it. It's just a way of getting Bitcoin from point A to point B, and that's it. You whether do it on chain or you do it using the second layer. Yeah. I mean, you're also not arguing about uh, if you send an email over um, like TCP IP or SMTP. I mean, nobody yeah. cares. Yeah, nobody cares. Yeah. It's just an email. Yeah, exactly. But you also have an OTC trading desk. Is that correct? Yeah, we have an OTC trading desk. And actually, uh, a lot of large OTC brokers are using HODL, HODL as an escrow agent. But the tricky part is uh, that, of course, we understand that these trades are usually more than 1,000 mm -hmm. USD because of the OTC. But the reason in that is that uh, all the OTC brokers, they do KYCML on themselves and on their partners. So in that sense, they're using HODL, HODL only as a technical solution, only as an escrow service. So that helps us to get uh, over. So many, many of, of traders actually in HODL, HODL. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I don't also don't think it's a good thing. It just is. There's many offers on HODL, HODL, which requires to go through the KYCML. They're not required to do KYCML by HODL, HODL, but by the counterparty that actually published that offer. And uh, as for our OTC desk, um, yeah, we have that and uh, it's licensed. And we, of course, we use HODL HODL in that sense that we, it's, it's an escrow agent, but we do KYCML on all our partners because 
the brokerage company has um, the banking relationship and has the license and we're required by, by the law to do that. Mm-hmm. So we are not reckless yeah. that much, <laughs> you know. As I said earlier, you're working on a lot of projects. I think the last one you released is a peer-to-peer predictions marketplace with Bitcoin. What is that? Yeah, it's called Predictions by Hodl Hodl. We were like fascinated by liquid by bullock stream so we we, we thought we should name predictions by hodl hodl um yeah taking an example from big guys um but uh, the prediction is actually something unique because when we released the hodl hodl not not many people understood the tech behind that more a lot of people and there's a lot of people actually at the moment that say you're like just just you're working in the same way that local bitcoins do what's the what's the reason to to release a peer-to-peer exchange but with predictions it's a unique um unique product in few senses first of all there's no prediction markets on bitcoin second of all it's non-custodial pure peer-to-peer prediction market so for example, you publish a prediction that bitcoin price will be like i don't know above 10,000 by 13 13 of july 2019 you publish this on 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 predictions and i go to that platform i see that you have published that prediction and they disagree with you and you pub when you're publishing in an offer you stated that i'm willing to bet or to lock like one btc so you're locking one btc from your wallet i'm locking one btc from my wallet and the total bank is to two BTC. Who wins that receives the, the 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 BTC? But the funny thing is that actually with predictions we've created um, multisig with uh, like more flexible multisig because uh, you can fund this multisig from both sides. Not like on Hodo Hodo. On Hodo Hodo, only the seller is funding this this escrow. But on predictions, both parties involved in contract they need to fund that escrow. So you will send one BTC from your wallet. I will send one BTC from my wallet. And then when the, like the event is happening and we can verify the winner. The winner will will receive it all. If we will have a draft, like for example, at that point of time, the BTC price was precisely ten thousand, not above and not the below. Then we will have a draw, and we will be able to return these BTC back to our wallets. But that's actually a game. It's like betting, or or do you think that it, it is? Uh, it is, of course, a betting to some extent. We we like to call it a prediction, and we believe that it's prediction, but. Um, I'm not trying to like convince anyone. It's it is a peer to peer. It's not a betting because you know in the betting in in more traditional betting there's like hundred people from one side saying something like like this team will win and then two hundred people from another side and that's how you get these odds and and stakes and all other stuff. So our prediction market's working only between two person. So it's one and one. So one on one. It's not like uh, Augur does, like, you know, there, there's like 100, again, as I mentioned, like a crowd from one side and a crowd from another side. It's pure peer-to-peer, like the prediction between two parties. Okay, I understand, because I was at your site and I uh, thought that um, I saw some of the offers yeah. and I thought 
that they are already set and no, I no, can no. jump in. No, oh, no. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's actually uh, everything that you, when you will go to predictions, we have the testnet, but we will like in in few weeks from now, we will release the 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 main net. But everything that you, if you see an offer published on HODL HODL, on predictions by HODL HODL, then this offer is published by a single, single person. And if you will accept that, there will be only you and the offer creator in that contract. So it's basically pure peer-to-peer. Okay, I understand. You were mentioning Multisig again. Yeah. And I've seen um, you're talking tomorrow at the Unchain Convention yeah. in Berlin. Yeah. And your talk is called Bitcoin Multisig is good and you should, <laughs> and you should, should feel, feel good. good about why, it. why should I feel good about it? Uh, because actually, the, uh, with the Bitcoin multisig, you can do a lot of stuff. Uh, you literally can use it in many, many, many ways. Like you can do cross-border uh, asset sell- sales or asset trades. Like you can buy real estate in different countries via internet using the Bitcoin multisig. You can pay to freelancers using Bitcoin multisig because the problem with the freelancer is that the party who is hiring and the party who is doing the job, they don't trust each other uh, because, for example, one is sitting in India and another one is sitting in US. These problems can be solved using Bitcoin Multisig. You can have, you can ship goods using the Bitcoin Multisig, using it as a collateral so that the party that actually does the job and uh, like takes your parcel from point A to point B understands that you have that money and you will be able to cover his costs. So, there's there's like a lot of implementation opportunities for Bitcoin Multisig. And I think that we believe, we strongly believe that community actually forgotten about how, how good this tech is and how many things you can, you, you can build with that. Mm-hmm. You're also organizing the Baltic Honey Badger Conference in September. Yeah. The Bitcoin Conference of the Year, Beer Market Edition. Yeah. What if the bull market comes earlier, or do you not believe that might that that this might happen? In Actually, I had an interview with 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 one like Bitcoin Bitcoin related media in March, and I I told already at that point, beer market is over. So I think, I hope, and I think, and and we see. Like from the March, we see that we're actually like moving in in green zone most of the time, and and uh, the price of Bitcoin is actually rising. But we announced the conference in in the beginning of February. We were in bear market mm-hmm. at that point. Who knows? Maybe we will be back on the bear market. But um, you know, for many people who who bought their Bitcoin in 2018, in the beginning of 2018, by the price of twenty thousand per BTC, it's still a bear market. You know. And there's a lot of these people. Let's say that we're making this conference for them. So they <laughs> at least can, can have a proper party and listen to interesting people. Okay, that's great. I'm coming. So I'm looking very much forward to it. And it also says on your website, the Baltic Honey Badger Conference is driven by the cypherpunk movement. So there are two terms in it, like honey badger and cypherpunks. So why is the honey badger a symbol for Bitcoin? I actually think it was... Uh, it was proposed by Roger Ver, something like that, uh, or not proposed, but I think uh, maybe I'm mistaken. I'm not so good at that Bitcoin history, but uh, I saw this billboards uh, photos in internet that he was publishing, where the, like honey badger of money, 
why I think why Bitcoin is, can be named the honey badger of money again because uh, if you if you're familiar with honey badger as an animal, it's unbeaten animal. It literally survives everything. So um, there's a lot of funny videos on the internet where you can see that it get bitten by snakes, try the lions trying to eat him, and etc. etc. But it's just like the unbeaten stuff. So I think the Bitcoin is like honey badger of money. Why we named that? Well, the the same reason why we named our exchange HODL HODL, you know, because we like the Bitcoin community, uh, not only due to the fact that they're like, these people are in general very smart. Uh, they are like good prof- good and very, very skilled professionals like coders, business developers, etc. But also due to the fact that this community also have his own like funny things, meme- memes and a lot of stuff. I, I, I actually think that uh, there's more like, there's less economics in Bitcoin. There's more like memeonomics, <laughs> you know, in, in, in Bitcoin. And um, yeah, so that's why we... We are not so uh, stressed about the naming. I, I don't think that the naming of your product or of your content or of your conference actually solves anything. It's the quality. You either do good things, like in terms of quality good things, I'm not saying like being a red eight or helping the, 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 the people somewhere, although it's a good thing to do and, and, and we need to do that as well. But you either build something good and doesn't matter how it's called, you know, or you can call like the exchange like super duper serious exchange and it will be literally a piece of shit that won't work. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> And why the word cypherpunk? Well, the Bitcoin is, is itself, I think it was born within the cypherpunk culture. And um, I think that it's it's just logical that we are like moving in that direction and and like providing the the place and, uh, and the stage for people who can actually say that, like, for example... I don't know. We don't need banks and et cetera, et cetera. And we can, we can do like that and preserve your privacy. And, and you need to be, to be careful with the, the data that you like send to anyone. Let's... So in a way, if you can't identify with any of the principles of the cypherpunks, you might not be coming or like well, the way around. I, well, it's like, um, I think that not anyone who is like, not anyone is identifying themselves with the principle of cypherpunk, uh, but many. And I think that actually the mass adoption will, we will start seeing uh, like mass adoption. We already see that, but like on a smaller scale. Uh, not do that people will align themselves with cypherpunk movements. Suddenly everyone will like hide their names, you know, will publish an avatar and, and stop using Facebook or something like that and posting the photos. Not not only due to that, but uh, when people will understand that uh, you can interact freely in a, f- in a financial way, like in the way, for example, uh, we can communicate freely. I'm being like somewhere... For example, in Russia and you being in Europe, we even don't need any mobile operators now. We just need a phone or a laptop and I can call you via Skype or Telegram or WhatsApp, whatever. It's kind of revolution. 
and uh, it's it's free communication. And I think people need to understand that Bitcoin and crypto in general brings you the f- opportunity to freely transact with people that you want to transact. And this uh, like opinion uh, pushed by the agenda that pushed by general media that Bitcoin is used only for criminals, well, criminals are not using Bitcoin. They don't understand the Bitcoin. They're using cash. They're using like legacy financial system for their operations because you know it's like I doubt that they are sending to each other through mobile wallets any BTC. Most probably they're using the cash and the fiat system. So it's, you know, you need to look at the other side. Yeah, I mean, like 20, 30 years ago, the internet was the same. Like the media said it's only used by criminals and for porn, which is actually true. <laughs> yeah, it's only it's only good for porn and, and that's it. Nobody will use that. Well, now you see that actually the, the media itself is actually moving to internet. <laughs> we don't have that many like traditional newspapers left or any traditional newspaper has online version because they do understand that at some point people will stop consuming the paper version and they will prefer like the digital one. Mm. So what would you recommend to people who are interested in Bitcoin? What should they do? Like reading recommendations or videos or what do you think? Uh, Well, I think that we have a good website, bitcoin.org not to don't use bitcoin.com use bitcoin.org i think that's the number one recommendation um read some books about uh not only bitcoin but economics in general like austrian economics etc etc i'm also a big fan of for example nasim taleb and his book about the black swan uh i think we can make a parallels with bitcoin as well and uh, read that book read the bitcoin standard by saved in i'm really impressed i had a like privilege and opportunity to speak with saved in and to participate in one conference that that was value in bitcoin in munich and i was surprised uh he's very smart and you need to like read his book also andres antonopoulos watch his lectures on the youtube and read his books as well uh, these are very, very. These are like gold standards for for anyone who is willing to 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 join the crypto community. And um, well, the best way at the moment, uh, I don't know whether it's unfortunately or luckily, is to educate yourself. So, but hopefully, we will see more and more educational materials coming into space, and people will be able to run easily. And of course, you listen to podcasts, to your podcast, to, I think Peter McCormick has a good podcast. Steph- Stefan Levera has a good podcast. Uh, Marty Ben with Tales from the Crypt, uh, great podcast. And others that I don't mention. I, I would, I would like to mention, let's talk Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, let's I think talk that's Bitcoin. Also a great one. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of them. And uh, in terms of podcasts, we have like, <laughs> I don't know why, but there's like, like a lot of podcasts good quality content uh where where you can like uh 
listened to some like basics and and heard some like the wisest and the smartest people and of course if you want to educate yourself about bitcoin well read the white paper it's like eight nine pages and explains a lot yeah and um where can people follow you or in, and your work and are the tickets for the honey badger conference already online yeah yeah the tickets for the honey badger conference are online since february and um fifty um, well we don't have like fifty percent of tickets all sold already and at that rate I doubt that we will have like last time um month before the conference that was sold out. I think this year will be the same. And um we don't have many tickets left by like the price that is at the moment is two hundred fifty euros at the moment. Uh, it's two day conference with all the catering, with all the after parties, we, we, with everything. We include everything. We, we, we try to like create a pleasant experience for people so they don't think where they can have a lunch or dinner or something like that. We include everything and even, even the after party and some swag as well, like, you know, goodie bags and, and all that stuff. Um, for me, you can follow me on Twitter. Like it's the main source where you can follow me my twitter is at kdunm and uh well i i suggest you for you better follow hodl hodl which is quite simple at hodl hodl and um yeah so there are like big news coming in with the prediction market launch and um hopefully by the time of honey badger we will be able to to create a prediction uh, success story because now we are releasing the MVP, like minimum viable oh. product. Uh, it it does what it does, uh, but uh, by the Honey Badger, we will change it uh, a little bit and it will be even better. What are the next plans? Uh, the next plans are actually release the prediction markets. The next plans are uh, we are going to add new languages to Hodl Hodl. Actually, we, we made a voting poll um this monday and uh like with the huge percentage german language is winning so <laughs> most probably the next, la the next language on holohodo will be the german one we also have team members uh that speak german so we'll have a proper german german language support and um the next big thing is that we are going to do uh predictions we're going to work on that we're going to release uh lightning based predictions as well so you will be able to like lock in like one euro two euro and uh we are going to work and to develop a non-custodial lightning trades so at point when we started developing the lightning trades for hodl hodl there wasn't like tech in that lightning release um, now as far as i understand from our technical developers the lightning team released uh, the new version where there's an opportunity to create a non-custodial trading engine like we have uh, for our on-chain contracts mm -hmm. on holo holo mm -hmm. so these are i think three things three main things and um, but we have one like big secret plan that i want relief Uh, most probably we'll keep it up until Honey Badger and Honey Badger will announce this. Okay, great. Then I'm looking forward to this. Cool. 
Thank you very much for the interview, Max. I will put all the links and the books and the names you just mentioned in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thank you for your time and uh, that we did that interview. Thank you very much, Anita. Uh, I wish success for your uh, podcast and I hope that uh, by the time of Honey Badger, you will have a lot of downloads, <laughs> a lot of listeners and uh, together we will be able to, to educate even more people. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. What did you think of the interview? Did it bring you greater understanding of Bitcoin and its people? If yes, and if you want to support my show, please subscribe to the podcast in your player, leave some stars and share, 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 share on social media. Feel free to contact me on Twitter, LinkedIn and YouTube or send me a voice message via the link on the episode page. Goodbye from Vienna. Auf Wiederhören. Music. Start with yes. Delicate beats. Idea, content and production. Yours truly, Anita Posch.